Jay and Michelle have done it again. Back-to-back weeks of winning and then totally making more enemies than necessary, but I'm here for it. Plus, Laurel moves out on Horacio, then lets Fessel move on in. Bananas isn't taking the game all that serious, much to Nani's annoyance. Jordan is watching other people play checkers and calling out how checkers like their games are. And we lose our confessional king of the season, and I have no idea who is going to say anything funny now. That's right, it's the challenge. Ride or Dies Episode 6 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian, where we dive deep into all things the challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me tonight to talk all things Ride or Dies episode six. Feels weird to say that. These seasons go so fast. Once they have started, they make time go so fast. How has it been six plus weeks since we started breaking down this season? I do not know, but I do know that here tonight we'll be breaking down exclusively episode number six. Tonight's episode, recording right after, as always. Before we dive into our usual slate of topics, we got a couple programming notes. The biggest one is... Then you might have noticed there was no episode on Monday. I apologize for that. We missed an episode there in the rewatch recap mini series. It's been postponed, as will this Friday's. We're going to do what was meant to be this Monday and Friday and next Monday and Friday. So those episodes will be coming. They just have been delayed a little bit. The only thing we can guarantee over here right now at the Challenge Historian is your Ride or Dies recaps are coming every week, Wednesday nights as the episodes air. Those are guarantees. Everything else right now is bonus, especially heading in to the holiday season. My work life has been picking up of late. The holidays are coming. I don't even actually know 100% for sure that there is an episode of the challenge next week. I assume there is. It's Wednesday, not Thursday, but you never know. Holidays throw off TV programming, but I think uh, it probably would have said two weeks from now on or something at the end of the episode. I digress. What I'm trying to say, Ride or Dies Wednesday nights, Anything else, uh, just make sure you're followed or subscribed, and then you'll know. You'll get notified when something comes out. But I do plan next Monday and Friday to have those top cast members and MVPs of the first 20 seasons and the top quotes and moments of the first 20 seasons to finish out the rewatch recap miniseries and close the book for now on the first 20 seasons of the challenge that we have been recapping all year long. So with that, also, as always, Survivor, I I almost got it spoiled tonight. I got to do a better job of staying off of Twitter while watching the challenge, knowing that I didn't need to watch Survivor after I do this podcast. But those, if you want to hear Survivor recaps, if you're watching both like I am Saturday mornings, most likely to podcast feed me and Paige breaking down every episode of Survivor. So with that, Let's dive on in season 38, Ride or Dies. Things got messy last week, and this week was none the different. In fact, it was basically just doubling down on everything that was good about last week. Got even better this week. Let's talk about it, starting with our Cliff Notes recap. 
Cliff Notes recap. Here we go. Everything that happened plot-wise in this episode, the sixth of season 38. As quickly as we can get through it, three, two, one, we are off. Laurel and Jack are back, and Laurel is over, Michelle. Like, for real, for real. They all clean up, head to the bar where Anissa and Jordan compliment each other, and Bananas checks in on how Nani's doing. Back at the house, Jay and Jack are teasing each other about their breakup while working out. Meanwhile, Laurel moved out of her room because, turns out, bunkmate Horacio has maybe an almost probably girlfriend back home. He tells partner Olivia it was all just a misunderstanding, but he's going to give Laurel her space. Off to the daily challenge they go, called Down the Line. Partners dig for a bag of puzzle pieces, then the first partner takes that bag to a crank, while the other partner digs for the second bag. Once they've got the second bag, they zip line as far down as their partner's cranking has allowed them, swim to shore, together put together the word phrase puzzle. Fastest time wins across two heats. What's with the heats? Come on, guys. Heat one sees Devin and Tori out to a big lead with Bananas and Nani the only ones to get to the puzzle with them where Bananas makes some inappropriately timed jokes leading to Nani literally stopping to hit him during the challenge. Heat 2 is a bit more competitive with four teams getting the boards near each other but it's Horacio and Olivia the rookie phenoms taking the win of the heat because overall time goes to Jay and Michelle who have now gone back to back and now get a redo of their debacle last week. Once at the house we learn Michelle has made a one day deal with Devin for literally no reason then Jay and Michelle meet with Anissa and Jordan to talk things out before heading to deliberation where they put in Anissa and Jordan as one of their four teams along with Laurel, Jack, Casey, Kenny and Bananas and Nani. All four teams are interrogated. Nani is pissed on Casey's behalf. Jordan and Jay get into it and the whole situation it's getting messier than it already was. Afterwards Nani lets Bananas know he needs to play more serious. Vessel and Laurel rekindle something from earlier in the season when Horacio wasn't getting in the way and Michelle and Jay have a heart to heart accepting the damage they have done to their games and that they are in fact ride or dies at the zone michelle and jay decide jordan and nisa should go in then comes the draw where nani pulls it first try saves casey and kenny of course sending laurel and jack in versus nisa and jordan to play in your face first teams must move a bunch of cinder blocks to release their dodgeballs then one partner plays offense throwing balls at 10 targets with their opponents facing on them faces on them while the other players play defense against the other team first team to knock out all 10 targets wins Jordan and Anissa take an early lead after carrying four blocks per trip to Laurel and Jack's two. Then it's Laurel and Jordan throwing with Jack and Anissa playing defense. And in his usual confident, braggadocious manner, Jordan lights up the board and gets the victory for he and Anissa sending Laurel and Jack home. But not before TJ reminds Laurel that she's one of the goats. And Laurel reminds Jordan to vow revenge against Jay and Michelle. Alrighty, so a lot happened as we just uh, recapped their Cliff Notes style for you. And with that, uh, so much was going on. There's a couple obvious storylines of this episode, but it feels like one of the ones that's going to be easiest to just walk through these segments of the episode versus trying to skip around, jumping storyline to storyline. They're all intertwined enough. We'd be getting ahead of ourselves, backing up this, that, and the other. So let's take a walk through the episode, shall we? And we start with the original opening segment, the original. Like, it, well, it did, it did happen first, so sure. I digress. I'm, I'm saying some wrong words already this evening, and we've got a whole lot of podcasts left. Let's go, Jacob. You can do this. The house slash bar opening quarter of the episode. Let's talk about a couple things from there. First and foremost, everyone clearly loves Olivia. She is the one I was very surprised by. This. The episode opens with Laurel and Olivia having a little chat post-elimination victory. And it's like, out of everyone there, 
it's, you know, I, I don't remember if, you know, now that she's moved rooms, if she's in the same room as Olivia now, I don't, I don't know how that's going, but somehow, some way it ends up being Laurel immediately afterwards. The one person who's there to talk with her about how things are going is Olivia. And I think that just shows you yet again, that Olivia is just, She's not just been the star of the show, more or less, the entire way through, but she's clearly kind of the star within the house and uh, seems to be making a great impression on everyone in the game, and everyone's liking her, and she's building relationships with all of them. This woman was made for the challenge, and this was another in an episode where she is really not involved in nearly anything for one of the first episodes of the season, maybe the first episode of the season, she still finds a way to show and slide in there. The like, I've got, I've got a little pull in this house. I'm making waves, I'm making a name. I'm making friendships, doing all the right things. Challenge legend in the making. Possibly it's a lot to say six episodes into a challenge career, but she's doing great. Anissa and Jordan and bananas and Nani at the bar. We go to the bar and it's fun for like the, you know, 12 second montage. It's always fun. And then it goes right to not bad things, but, but not fun bar time things. It just goes to conversations that could be happening at a bar could be happening at the house. They've really, they've really got to find the right group of people really spice this up. I enjoyed the little dance montage. It does look like everyone gives solid effort. Every time they go to the bar, they're like, all right, let's everyone give five minutes of, we get our first drink. We all do a little dancing. We all get all the energy out. They'll film that. They'll turn that into a little montage. And then we can all just go talk game. But Anissa and Jordan, Bananas and Nani, those are the two conversations we get at the bar. And while they're both nice, um, while they're both lovely, and, you know, I appreciate, you know, checking back in on, you know, Nani with the situation that she's grieving her mother during this season. And obviously that's, as a partner, it's, it's very good. Johnny is checking in on that. Like, hey, I know a lot's going on. I know it took a lot for you to want to come here. Just want to check in, see how you're doing. Anissa and Jordan, their moment's great talking about each other, you know, the representation uh, you know, that they provide for others that they didn't always have for themselves. It's all great, but it also all feels like it's for the cameras, which of course it is because all four of these people are pros, like pros, pros at this now, and they know what's going to get filmed and what doesn't. And they know, you know, they're building their own storylines here and they're building, this is the stuff we want to be shown. So this is the stuff we will make sure, Hey, we're at the bar. They want to use something from this. How about a one-on-one -on -one conversation touching on this thing that obviously you've, you know, been talking about a bunch of confessionals that they would probably are going to use as a storyline, which means we can build on that. We can have this moment. That's all great. They're pros. And I, so while it doesn't feel the most authentic, uh, it feels a little almost staged at the same time. While I don't love that, I do believe all of the feelings and thoughts and opinions expressed by all four of these people in these moments are 100% real and genuine and believed and are what they actually think. It just, you know, we've spent so much time with them on camera and it just comes off feeling a little bit like, yeah, let's just let's just keep it moving. We know we, we like all these people right now or I like all these people on the show. I think most people definitely like two of them. Some people might only even like one, uh, but yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Jack and Jay. Um, we're, let's not talk about them right now. Let's talk about them more. Just to say right now, though, the workout moment, I love it. The reference to the band, I love it. The pettiness and the, the Jay embracing the awkwardness, I love everything about that. But we will talk more about those two gentlemen at a later point of this podcast.
Daily Challenge is up next, and this is where the episode starts to really take off and get interesting, which most of the time is the case. Most of the time, that first segment of the show is that table setting, and certainly here, it absolutely was, and especially coming off of the way last week ended, it, you know, it just... It is what it is. It's always going to be that kind of way. Like, we got to wrap up what happened before, set the table for what's going to happen. This episode, they do a good job. We move into the daily challenge and things heat up, which is what you want to see because sometimes it doesn't always heat up. But here, it does. First and foremost, fantastic game. Love every aspect of this. You've got, you know... And no, no endurance really involved, but you've got some physical nature of having to dig, which is, you know, physical endurance, I guess. I do have that endurance in there. You've got some strategy coming into play over who does what, which a couple teams get very wrong, talking about that in a moment. And then you've got a nice little zip line so that it looks cool and it's over the water and it's fun for them. They're excited to do it. And then you end it off with a nice little word phrase puzzle. Love everything about it. It's a great combination. It's a great mixture. The only thing I will say, again, is why is this got to be two heats? Like, do you really, really, the you can't get twice as many puzzle pieces, twice as many zip lines set up, and twice as many word boards set up? It feels like it could be that. And again, the I said it last week or two weeks ago or both. I don't even know. Maybe this is the third week in a row I'm saying it, but... I think the drama of who won between the two Heat winners isn't nearly as good as the potential. You're not always going to get it, but the potential drama of watching the one person win in the moment. And now that I'm watching more and more other shows, Survivor most notably, but other reality competition shows as well, it's just really nice for so many different reasons that we're not going to go into again here, but other than to say it is really nice when everyone's going at once, doing the same thing at the same time, same conditions, all of that. So I'll say that, but otherwise, fantastic game. As for performances in the Daily Challenge, let's let's run through a bunch of them. Bananas first, one of the biggest moments of the episode. Bananas just not taking it seriously. And Nani has every right to be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what... We're down here going one-on-one, or at least we started off in a severe advantage one-on-one versus Devin and Tori over here. The fact they eventually lose to a team who got a lot, was starting way behind them is not great for both. We'll touch on that other team in a moment, but Bananas and Nani. Bananas not taking it serious, making the jokes. One, it's one thing to have not been taking it super serious, but because the jokes were like at Nani's expense, that was the part that felt weird and felt a little again like someone's been here too long. Someone knows all too well and knows what's going to get on the cameras and how to make a storyline. And so if, as we find out later, he doesn't actually want to win, then what a great way to do it by creating this thing of like, ah, me and my partner, we were the biggest ride or dies ever. When we walked in, we were the great ride or dies. Everyone knew bananas and Nani. That's real, real history, real ride or dies right there. Now, Ooh, no, we're, we're, we're not liking each other. We're not vibing. We're not clicking. And it's like, yeah, this feels very purposeful and feels a little fake. Um, but for the reason of, because he says later, this is the one time I'll jump ahead. He later on says that he maybe didn't want to win. He doesn't want to get the blood on their hands, which I get that usually. But in this instance, they have such solid and obvious alliances that I don't think it's that, like, it's almost any blood on their hands or almost any, like, detriment to their game 
to, I mean, certainly compared to the possibility that they could have went into an elimination because there was a 33% chance at the end of this that they would have. But if he, if they just win and they go with Amber and Chauncey, Michelle and Jay, Horacio and Olivia, and then you pick Nelson and Norris or Fessel and Mariah, probably Nelson and Norris. You've seen the Nelson Jay thing enough there. And you're like, yeah, we're going against, you know, all the, the rookies or, you know, near rookies, younger people versus all of us. That's how it's been the whole time. That's how everyone knows it is. And no one's getting upset about that, except for maybe Nelson is like, okay, I'm picking my side now and moving over to this one. And that's probably where he's going to end up anyway. So I didn't totally buy that from bananas. I didn't think that was his best strategic moment. Let's talk Laurel. Her heart's not in it. And this, this moment of her not being able, not being able, she eventually digs it up, but taking a long time to dig up the puzzle pieces is one of those moments where it shows you the mental side of this house and I mean life in general, but like the mental part of being in this house and in the challenge, this happens in other sports, uh, you know, and it, it happens in life. If you're not invested, if you're not in a great headspace, a great attitude, gung-ho about like today I woke up and like the thing that's getting me, I'm excited one and I'm excited because I get to do this thing and I want to win and it's going to be awesome. We know that in the right mindset, in the right, you know, the right setting uh, that Laurel in this situation can rip through that ground no problem and dig this stuff up. She's clearly just a little like maybe I came back to the show. I'm having some good times here. I'm not having some good times here. I like that I'm here with my best buddy, Jack, but also like, I don't really like a ton of the, like, I don't know a lot of the people. I don't like a lot of the people, this, that, and the other. And she's clearly not in it. And it shows you how much that mental side affects even the greatest in the game. One of the greatest in the games as they're late. She's later called out by TJ as being, and she is Laurel. So that's her. Another observation, Chauncey. Is Chauncey just that afraid of heights or against possibly having to swim? Is that why Amber does the digging? Because after we see Laurel, who I think everyone else recognizes there is like, you know, is a little out of it mentally, but still they see Laurel struggle. And then Amber and Chauncey decide Amber should do all the digging, which no shade, great athlete, former champion, which other people don't seem to want to ever give her credit for in the house, other cast members that is, but I've I, Chauncey's new, but I've seen the man's arms. Like my, my goodness, like, come on, man. He, he should be doing that digging unless he's that terrified. Like I won't zip line. I won't swim. So we know he was super scared of the heights before. Maybe that's what this was, but that seemed like, uh, seemed, seemed noticeable that his fear of heights might be to that level that they were like, Hey, this is going to slow us down, but this is what we're doing. Devin and Tori really dropped the ball in the words. They get there first. They lose to a team that gets there pretty far after them. It's five five-letter words. I think this also feels a little bit purposeful from Devin with all these deals that we know one of them comes to light and we see on the next week on. Maybe there's more than just the one going around. Maybe this was also in line with Bananas' strategy of, hey, we don't want to actually win. And maybe they're just not revealing that at all, but Felt a little fishy that those two didn't get it done after getting there first and it being set up for something they should be good at. Jane Michelle, crush it again. Great job to them. Proving why at the beginning of the season, I picked them. And right now, uh, one of my preseason predictions, I said that Jane Michelle would win the most daily challenges of anyone on the season. And so far, they're the first one with that double victory back-to-back. Great job by them. And final one to call out, Horacio and Olivia. Really 
really coming up just shy. This is one of those seasons where if the power would sit in more than one team's hands, uh, they would be killing it. If this was like a tribunal situation, you know, like top three teams, we get six people in there, we get things mixed up, you know, like a, um, you know, they've done that on a bunch of seasons. I guess they haven't done that on partner seasons, super recent, but you know, either way, the fact stands, Olivia and Horacio are absolutely crushing it. This is their second or third time getting second, um, or coming super close and just can't quite get the victory, but here's the hoping they do because they have now, you know, gotten through because on Jay and Michelle's friendship, these last couple episodes, I don't think that's going to stand for super long. They're the obvious team to, you know, last rookie rookie, obvious team to go in versus whoever everyone else wants to throw in both because they're the rookie rookie pair and because they're good. So when someone wins is like, we want to get Jay and Michelle out. Well, let's throw in the rookies because they're actually good and can beat them. And also they're the rookies. So we don't have to make anyone else mad. So uh, good job by them, but they got to get that win, baby. They got to get that win. That would make things very interesting. Third segment of the show, then we're back to the house, the interrogation deliberation, and ultimately we're going to rope in the choice that is eventually made here. Let's just talk about it. It's, uh, it's the biggest you know, story of the episode. It's the next segment of the episode. It's building on last week's episode, the whole thing. So let's break it down. First and foremost, Michelle has a one-day deal with Devin. Why? What What world does this help her in any way? I get where it helps Devin, and it plays out to very much help Devin and Tori in this instance. But uh, making that deal with Devin and Tori, I get yeah, they could win, and you've got so much heat on you after last daily challenge and everything you did last week in their world you know, two days ago, one day ago, whatever, but in our world one week ago. That, yeah, you're like, well, if you guys win, maybe one team in that alliance, if they were the ones to win, would actually save us. And guess what? They wouldn't. They absolutely would not have. Uh, so that just is what it is. I don't, at least I don't think they would have. And it's gonna, this is all gonna come up more next episode. We'll find out does Devin, you know, have more deals than this? We'll find out what maybe Michelle or Devin's thinking around this particular deal was now that it's over. If maybe Michelle and Jay feel like Devin and Tori owe them one, which we hear Tori say at the end, like, not, not happening. You threw in my best friend and my ex fiance, who I'm now like great friends with all out of nowhere in this season, which by the way, I'm super happy about and uh, super side tangent on that specific thing. I saw a couple different people on social media being like, I'm over this Jordan and Tori storyline. They've barely talked about it. Like all six episodes in, we have not in three episodes in three to four episodes of them both being there. We've really gotten very little of it. So those that might've been worried about that, uh, I could have seen if you coming into the season would have been like, I know I'm not gonna like that storyline. They're gonna hit it over the head so many times. I would've been like, yeah, they're probably gonna do that storyline heavy all the way through and they haven't at all. So if someone's still complaining about that, like you, you just gotta get over it, I guess. Uh, keep watching the challenge. We need as many people to keep watching, but yeah, get over it. Anyways, back to Jordan. Uh, Michelle and Jay meet with Jordan and Issa, and then they still pick them. That was the bad move. That was not a good move. Not the picking them part, but the meeting with them part. You don't meet with them and kind of say that they're safe. They didn't outright say it, but they maybe, they made it seem like they were safe. They made it seem like, yeah, you came in very cordial and said like, we'll talk to you. 
We accept that last week you wanted to know where we were. We kind of made sense to be in there in that weird group you picked. Got it. Why don't we tell you we're with you and you're okay by us and now we're good, right? And everyone kind of leaves like nothing was said direct, but you're kind of good. You don't have that meeting and then still pick them. You just can't, which I know means they have to pick Darrell and Veronica instead. We'll get to that in a moment, but it's the bad move. Then they do pick. They pick Laurel and Jack which makes sense. That makes sense. After last week. Again, all of this is contingent on after last week. Independent of last week, maybe none of these make sense. Maybe where they stand in the game doesn't make sense. But because of what happened last week, which we talked about last week, you can go listen to that podcast. Then that's how we're judging everything this week. Laurel and Jack makes sense. Good pick. Bananas and Nani also mostly makes sense. You gave them the one, everyone got mad at you, and you're in a position where you kind of have to pick them or someone who you still have a chance of being aligned with. So Bananas and Nani it is. Casey and Kenny also makes sense. They're never doing any favors for you no matter what. They're also not that great. And so if they go in and lose, great, uh, whatever. It mostly makes sense. And then Anissa and Jordan, which again, only makes sense if you don't have the meeting first because here I'm going, get ready. I'm about to defend Jay and Michelle. No one else wants to do it. Uh, Clearly from, you know, the social media I was seeing throughout the episode and immediately after while I was getting ready to record, you know, everyone's dogging their game. Everyone's dogging their picks, thinking everything's in shambles. They did everything wrong. Here's my defense. And it's not just because I like both of them, but that's obviously why I'm willing to do it. But here's my defense, because honestly, I believe what I'm about to say. Exactly what Jay and Michelle wanted to happen, happened. And I'm going to pause right here. Remember, I previously said this is all because depended on last week I did not defend almost anything they did last week but because all that happened we're here and we're talking about this week exclusively back to the defense exactly what they wanted to happen happened they want someone to take out Laurel and Jack and they want to keep their alliance members or their possible alliance members which at this point are Olivia and Horacio the last rookies remaining they were kind of with the rookie thing and then they hope in, or, and Amber and Chauncey, who is definitely their only ones they're like actually working with in any real way. And they hope Nelson and Reese and Fessel and Mariah will eventually come around to we're on the bottom of the vet line. We got rookies here that are with the other rookies and the other youngins, and we've got enough people. So they're trying to protect those people, and their goal is to get Laurel and Jack out. And so they pick the team that can get Laurel and Jack out because Darrell and Veronica aren't going to do it. As they say, it's straightforward, and it's it, maybe in the game they eventually got, it could have happened, but they don't know what game they're going to get. And yeah, Laurel and Jack versus Darrell and Veronica. I'm taking Laurel and Jack. I apologize to Queen V and first GOAT four-time champ Darrell, but that's how I see it on season 38. Talk to me about prior seasons, different story, but they can't pick them, all right? So they need those other teams on their side. They want to at least honor this deal with Devin and Tori to maybe get one little in with one of the teams that are all going to be working against them, which doesn't ultimately matter or doesn't happen. But either way you slice it, what they want to happen is Laurel and Jack to go up against a team that can beat them and that isn't in their possible group of four other pairs that might be willing to work with them. And they pick exactly the right people to do that. They just shouldn't have had the meeting with Anissa and Jordan, or they should have told them right then and there in the moment, like, hey, our goal is to get Laurel and Jack out. You're one of the teams that could do it. So we haven't decided that we're going to like put you in there, but like that we're lean, we're, we're, our main thought process right now is who can beat Laurel and Jack. And 
then things would have been better. They wouldn't have been good. They would have been better. It's all messy. But after last week, they don't, again, have any good choice. And if they had better massaging, better messaging, this isn't that bad this time around. And again, I just defended it. They, they, what they wanted to happen, happened. They made that happen. So as probably the only person out there willing to say it, uh, yeah, I think they actually made the right choices. They just didn't do all the right actions leading up to each and every one of those choices. Final bit of the episode, then everything else that happens at the house before we head to the zone, and then a couple just quick hit things. We're just going to put it all, roll it all up into one last storyline segment here. <sighs> Starting with my boy, Vessel. Ah, Fessy fan club. Oh, man. I know no one got on board. Every every week, you know, I, I take my spot at the driver's seat of the Fessy fan club, uh, the bandwagon. And I look behind me and, you know, I expect someone, anyone else to show up, anyone else to respect what this man brings to the challenge, brings to our television screens. And every week, it's still just me. Uh, yeah, just me riding solo. And hey, that's fine. Because you know who isn't riding solo, or should I say sleeping solo? Fessel. Never, never, never is this man going to sleep in a bed by himself any single night that he is in a challenge house. It's just not going to happen. He can't, he can't help himself. And seems like no one else can help themselves around them. Because as much as everyone uh, wants to talk shit, uh, this is where he ends up every season over and over and over. He just continues to find a way. He gets back in Laurel's good graces. They previously were in each other's good graces earlier in the season. There were some other people in each other's good graces, and now they've found their way back to each other. What a what a wonderful story it is. And shout out to Laurel, who uh, is quickly, quickly, uh, not quickly. She's already actually been there. She's just kind of adding to one of the most impressive lists of hookup partners in show history. There's a few folks in the history of the show who have, you know, who there's everyone in the history of the show has basically gotten romantic somewhere, some way along the lines, but some people have uh, just some amazing choice and the list is pretty incredible. And Laurel is one of those. I mean, CT, Jordan, now Fessley, uh, you know, your mileage may vary with any of those individuals, but, uh, Shout out to Laurel. Shout out to Fessel. Love everything about it. Too bad it's not going to continue because she eventually goes home during an elimination game, which is amazing. I love the elimination game. For once, the pyro and the fire that they have to always find a way to get involved actually made sense and was both visually cool and mattered to like being able to help us see what the scoreboard was, even though one of them does break and Jordan has to like call out and everyone helps be like, yes, that one is like, you, you broke it. It just, the fire didn't work. Sorry, but that one's out. Ignore it, which <laughs> would be confusing for him, for Jack, for everyone, but uh, everyone helps him call it out. Do we need to carry the bricks part though? I guess carrying the bricks lets both people be more involved. They do something exact the same together before they split up where the defense matters, certainly, as we see Anissa does block a bunch of shots of Laurel's and Jack blocks a few early on of Jordan's, but the offense matters much more in this case than the defense does. So maybe the carry bricks part is just like, let's just add a little to this and, you know, make both everyone have to get a little taxed out, a little tired out before 
we get to the other part. So I guess it's fine, but I love the dodgeball aspect of it. I love the, the second half of the thing. We're going to talk about Jordan's final shot and Laurel and Jack leaving in the award segment. So we'll save that for later. Two other quick, quick hits. I was about to say quick, quick hits, which quick hits should hopefully be quick. So let's make them quick. Two things, just final things that I hadn't pointed out now, probably won't get pointed out in the awards. So here we go. Bananas says he is as close to Laurel as anyone who's ever played with him. That's that. I thought some things were a little fake or fraudulent from Bananas this episode already. And this is, uh, he, instead of icing on the cake, this is, he replaced the cake and was like, nah, actually everything before was the icing. And this is the cake because what? When, when did you and Laurel become that tight, that best of friends that and she doesn't like vomit when he says this, which is also, she's kind of maybe not even listening, but anyways, that moment was pretty funny. So you made me chuckle bananas. I guess that's ultimately your goal. Most of the time, second and final thing, Casey and Kenny watch, uh, just getting a little ahead of myself here. One of my predictions for this week, the only prediction for this week that I got correct was I said, Casey and Kenny would have two or less combined confessionals. They were up for elimination. Her girlfriend was having a whole episode of storylines. We haven't talked a lot about Nani here, but we could have because she was one of the biggest characters in the episode for sure. She's very prevalent in the episode. So you're up for elimination. Your girlfriend is a part of multiple storylines in the episode, thus making you kind of a part of them. One of them, her storylines is literally that she's pissed off for Casey and Kenny, not even for herself. And somehow two confessionals total two across the whole episode. It's just, I'm going to have to get with uh, my, my good friend over at challenge stats and pull some data here to find out. But this has to be some sort of record for, you know, lowest confessional per episode, making it X amount of way through a season. I'll, I'll get, I'll get with the official statisticians and get back to you. To the awards we go and best quote. We start with best quote as we always do, but this part makes me a little bit sad because Jack has three of the four nominees this week. Jack has won best quote multiple times already this season. I think he maybe has been nominated every single episode almost. If he hasn't, he probably should have been. He has by far undoubtedly been the Dan Renzi confessional king of the season for sure through six episodes. But now he's gone. And who's going to make me laugh? Who's going to say interesting or funny things? Who's going to talk shit? Who's going to be petty? Because it doesn't seem like anyone else is very up to the plate for doing that. So, Jack, thank you for your contributions all season long in the confessional booth and out of it, but certainly in the confessional booth. Let's run through the four nominees for best quote this week. But spoiler alert, Jack just wins for any of these three out of the next four. Let's start with Jack along with ex-best buddy emo friend Jay. Joint nominee here. I haven't done this very often, but they say quotes back-to-back that deserve to be played back-to-back. Jay and Jack talking about where their relationship stands. Awkward situations are sometimes fun, so I'm just poking the bear while he's working out. He's poking back, but at least we're talking, and you know... Every good friendship is based on insults. So, um, the band might come back together. I don't think we broke up. I think we're just on a break. I mean, every break just gets a little messy, you know? When I called you garbage, Jay, I meant that you were garbage. Bottom of the dumpster leaking out, like, into the sewer, like, with the 
rodents and infested rats. Like, that is on the level of human that he is. Then we've got Jack again, still talking about that very relationship, and this time asking production if they've got something that can help that little stomach problem he's starting to have. I can't believe I literally called Jay, like, one of my closest friends and somebody that was, like, a brother to me. Like, I'm getting, like, nauseous. Like, I need, like, do you guys have Tums? Fraud ass. It is what it is, honestly. It is what it is, yeah. Third nominee, again, to Jack, is during the interrogation. This interrogation, much different performance from he and Laurel against Jay and Michelle, but equally as riveting, equally as great, equally as wonderful is the stonewalling last week is this week Laurel putting on the performance of, hey, we can be friends. I'm lying through my teeth right now, but you don't know that because I'm a good actress in this moment and Jack is loving it. He thinks it's the best and I think his quote about it is the best. I didn't know my girl had it in her to do the poker face. Like, this is somebody who hates doing this. Like, would literally rather gnaw her own arm off than have to be fake nice to somebody. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen, and it's free. Bye. Fourth and final nominee then goes to my guy, Fessel. He doesn't win because Jack wins the award for the week, but I've got to throw Fessel on there because, ah, just take it away. I'm not trying to be messy this season. But it just finds me. Do you want a hug? <laughs> You're so happy. Do you hug Horacio like this? <laughs> no, actually. Not trying to be messy this season, but it just finds me. It's just he's he's leaning into the 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 visual of it, the the smirk on his face. He's leaning into the parts of the the villain that no one likes. He's not really leaning into the villain side, but he's leaning into the like, if you guys think I'm a douchey guy and some little fuck boy were like, I'm going to lean into that part a little bit and play it up and have some fun with it for the camera. And I'm having a great time. And I continue to invite all of you to appreciate and have a good time with, again, what happens in the house and on our screens outside in the real world. Bessie fan club doesn't always extend to those arenas. Now, best moment. There's only two. Nominees one the entire interrogation segment again second week in a row really good stuff really interesting really fun and that's not always the case so especially when it's awesome I want to shout out that that segment is awesome but the best moment of the episode by far Jordan wisely Mr. Jordan wisely always adding to his resume always finding a way to add another moment onto another moment onto another moment this man my goodness, calling out his final shot. And there was no editing tricks about this. They kept a smooth enough camera, which thank you to the editing team for doing that so that we could see that this was all in one smooth moment. This wasn't editing tricks, but he gets to nine out of 10. He's confident enough. He, I don't know if he fully knows where Laurel's at, but I think he has a good idea that he's significantly in ahead and can take his time here for a minute. But he calls out to Jay and Michelle, you shouldn't have done this. And he gets a little tip from Tori to, you know, just lob it over. Don't let, don't give him a chance to block it. Clearly there was an extra rule about where the defender could, could and could not stand that we didn't get to hear at home, but clearly there was. You couldn't just go like, put your body in front, fully in front of one of the things. Cause if you wanted to block the last one, you really could. And Jordan talks his shit, calls his final shot, lofts it over, nails it, takes home the win. It's amazing. 
yet another in a long line of incredible moments for this man in the challenge house when he is competing. So best moment goes to Jordan calling his final shot. As for the episode MVP, five people make the final ballot. We've touched on all of them basically here. The one left that we really got to say our final words about is the winner, which is Laurel. Shout out to Jack. Shout out to Michelle, Jay, and Jordan as 54321. I guess I should quickly say Michelle and Jay again. I defended them for a reason. I actually think if they went about it a different way but made the exact same choices that what they wanted to happen happened, and they're not in as horrible as a spot as it seems like they're kind of framing it and everyone else watching this seems to be thinking that they're in. We'll get to the power rankings in a moment and maybe touch more on that. But Jack, Michelle, Jay, Jordan, the winner, the MVP of the episode is Laurel. It's really tough to see Laurel go out like this. It's really tough to see someone who I've loved for so long in this game clearly be having the time that she was having in the house, not loving her experience this time around. I don't know if that's going to put a sour enough taste in her mouth to, you know, not want to do any more of these. I think it may with, you know, I was about to say knowing her personality. Well, yeah, I could say that. We've seen so many seasons of her. Knowing her personality, at least the one we have seen through the edits of a television show season after season, her competitiveness and whatnot, I feel like is going to be like, nah, that's that. I'm, that's not how I'm going out. That's not the season I'm going out on. I feel like we're going to get to see her again, but who knows? Uh, she's got a lot going on in her regular life now. Has made some big moves and changes there in the last few years. So hopefully this isn't the last time we see her, but if it was... As TJ says, rightfully TJ says, she's one of the goats. Side note, TJ, I clearly see now that Challenge USA, he was just warming himself up to be a little bit more like, hey, I should I should praise these people a little more. I should lay it on when the moment arrives. So he was just kind of warming that up on Challenge USA. I wasn't always in love with it, but now I see it so that he was practiced and ready to properly lay it on to some of our vets, like a Laurel, letting her know, hey, you guys lost. You lost to two beasts. You did a great job. You, Laurel, are one of the goats, so it is what it is. We'll see you again. Love that they saw, got that. And, yeah, I just wish Laurel the best. I like Laurel a lot. I've always loved Laurel a lot. I think she's one of my favorite challenge characters ever, which can sometimes feel weird to say characters, but people as well as the character that they are portrayed as by the editing and the show and everything on the show. But one of the best competitors ever, certainly, and absolutely, you know, this puts a ding in her elimination record slightly, but she is still far and away the elimination queen, king, ruler, all of it. As I said on the 100 Takes podcast a while back, if I had my life depended on one person winning an elimination, I'm picking Laurel, and it's honestly not that particularly close. So shout out to Laurel. She's the MVP of this episode. I'm glad she came back into our lives on the challenge, and I wish her nothing but the best. Power rankings and predictions before we go. Power rankings. Some things have changed a little bit here. Number one spot Still hasn't moved, even with the next week on segment, putting, trying to insinuate that Devin and Tori maybe are in the hot seat. We'll come back to our actual thoughts on that in a moment. But Devin and Tori stay number one. They haven't moved. Nani and Bananas stay number two. They haven't moved. Fessy and Mariah move back up to number three. They've been all over the map so far. Nelson and Narice in four. Anissa Jordan, five. Amber Chauncey, six. Jay and Michelle, seven. Olivia Horacio, eight. Casey Kenny, nine. Darrell Veronica, ten. 
Casey, Kenny, Darrell, Veronica, I just don't, I think they are not going to 100% avoid elimination. And at some point when they go in, I believe they will lose that elimination. That's why they are at the bottom. They also just, Casey and Kenny have good alliances. Darrell and Veronica still just kind of floating out at the wind as the OGs that is just, you know, no one, no one's playing their game anymore. Olivia Horacio, Jay and Michelle, yes, they're near the bottom, but this is one where like eight of the 10 teams left, I feel got a shot like a real shot at this. So yes, they're near the bottom because I think at some point the odds say that one of these super vet Alliance teams is going to win in those, those two teams, specifically Jay Michelle and Olivia Rossio very well next week, depending if one of four or five teams wins, those two are going to be going against each other in elimination, almost bar none. And then I've got Fessy and Mariah and Nelson and the Reese moving back up to third, third and fourth because this floating in the middle is just working out really, really well for them. And it's not going to go the whole time, but I think if luck is on their side, they could avoid elimination completely. They're going to end up in the draw once or twice, and it just depends on how that draw goes. They might avoid all or maybe just end up in one, which coming into this house, one rookie, one vet that is doesn't have the strongest tide compared to almost all the other vets in the house, it's a good place to be. I like where they're at. Tori and Davin, Donnie Bananas, though, stay top two. Now, predictions, preseason predictions. Still got four out of five in my finals predictions. Banani, Banani, Michael, Banani, Michelle and Jay. We're not combining any other names other than Banani. Michelle and Jay, Tori and Devin, Chauncey and Amber, Tori and Devin, winner pick. Still feel great about it. I had gone two for three on predictions in week two, three, four, and five. But this week's, week six predictions, I only went one of three. I said combined two or less confessionals for Kenny Casey. That's the only one I got right. And I can't believe again that I got that right. But I also said Tori and Devin would win the daily and that that would mean these specific four teams that would end up in the zone would be Olivia Horacio, J. Michelle, Darrell, Veronica, Amber, Amber, and Chauncey. None of that happened. Obviously, it went the complete opposite. So one, four, three. Let's get back on the winning side of the scale with our week seven predictions. Next week's episode, which I do believe we have an episode next week, even with the holiday, Tori and Devin win. That's why... It's another one of those editing moments. I'm sure of it. I am so sure of it when we see the next week on, ooh, Devin's in hot water. Devin made a bunch of deals. That's not because someone's calling him out and saying you're going in because you made too many deals. That's because I assume Devin and Tori win and then have too many deals. They don't know who to pick, and then those get called out after they pick some people. So Tori and Devin win. That's my deduction from that next week on. Floaters are going in, prediction number two, meaning by that Nelson and Fessel. Your teams are going in, they've been floating, and if Devin and Tory win, those two teams kind of have to end up in that group of four, however you split it, unless those are the ones that are accusing them of having too many deals, which both could be true. Third and final prediction then is about Fessel. My guy Fessel, he's going to turn his attention back to Michelle. Uh, Michelle's in a time of need right now. Jay's there. They're riding and dying together. But uh, I just, I think Fessel's going to be like, well, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've completed the circle. We got back to where we started at Laurel. And uh, Laurel's gone and Colleen's gone. And so we've got one left. We can continue back around and make another pit stop here with Michelle. I, I think that might, might happen. So Fessel will turn his attention to Michelle, whether she reciprocates, I do not know. Floaters, aka Nelson and Fessel, are going in. 
Tori and Devin are winning. Those are the three predictions for next week. That is all I got for you for tonight for episode six, Ride or Die, season 38. It's in the books, as is this pod. Thank you so much for being here and listening or watching along with me tonight. As always, hit that follow subscribe button so you don't miss an episode whenever those episodes eventually do come out. And as always, again, if you like to talk challenge, you want to chop it up, don't have a buddy to talk about your favorite reality competition show with, Challenge historian on Instagram. DMs are open. Let me know your thoughts about this season, about this podcast, any of my opinions. You want to rub it in my face that I am the leader and the only one in the bandwagon for the Fessy fan club? Feel free. I've heard it before. I can take it again. Any opinions you've got, let me know. Maybe they'll just sneak them way into the podcast here sometime in the near future. Thank you so much for being here. I'll talk to you again soon. Peace.